Hi there. You are listening to a message recorded by High Point Life. To listen to more messages and to find out more about our church, head over to our website at highpointlife.com. Good to see you all. Happy New Year for those who missed the beginning of the year with us. Um, we are glad to see you here in God's house the first Sunday of 2024. Now, as always, we start off the year by by focusing on vision. Uh, and because to me, you have the first slide. Uh, because to me, vision is critical. Um, the scripture does tell us this, without vision, people perish. You know how important vision is, right? Um, let me tell you, last year was a challenging year for me. I had eye surgery. My eyes were giving trouble. Uh, I had fluid leaking into my eyeballs. It, had, it, it was not pleasant at all. The year before, it was really bad. Um, we went to Australia as a family. And honestly, it was quite a miserable time for me because I just could not see. I had glasses, but I still couldn't see. Uh, everything was a blur. So when I was in Australia two, a couple of years ago, I couldn't see well. And they, you know, they go shopping and they go to the malls and Daughter disappears, son disappears, wife disappears, and he said, we'll meet back here. And I sat down, I stood there, and I didn't want to move anywhere because I didn't know where this was. Because if I had gone somewhere else, I wouldn't know how to find my way back. It was bad, all right? I didn't say how bad it was, but it was bad. Uh, and so it was miserable. So I didn't go to, why didn't buy anything? Oh, no, nothing to buy. But actually, I couldn't see the signs. I couldn't see the signs that said, 40% off or 60% off, whatever it is, um, couldn't read. And so because you can't read, you miss out. Because your vision isn't perfect. You miss out on good deals. You miss out on stuff, right? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 18, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. This is coming from the message. The message, of course, is paraphrased. But I like this, the way it is put. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. You know, vision in the scripture is not just about physical eyesight. It talks about divine perspectives. It talks about divine insights. All right? Illumination, as it were, from the Holy Spirit. And vision is what we see by faith in God. And for us to develop vision, we must have two things. Number one is regeneration, meaning to say we must be saved. We cannot see God's perspectives. We cannot understand what God is revealing if we do not have a relationship with Him. So the first thing is regeneration. We must have that. Second thing is illumination. That comes through the Holy Spirit. So it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be filled with the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God can start revealing things to you that are on the heart of God. Deep stuff. So we need these two, regeneration and illumination, to begin to understand what, 
what King Solomon said when he said, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. You see, next slide, everything begins with vision. Everything begins with vision. Life takes on meaning and purpose when you have vision. Church becomes more meaningful when you have vision. When this place stops becoming a place where we gather, where we meet friends, where we come and sing some great songs, when we listen to, a, to the music, when we have breakfast, when, when it becomes more than this, that this is a place where we come together and find our purpose. Then everything changes. You see, you become what you see. What you do not see, you cannot be. I suppose it's far easier to serve God without a vision or a call. And many people can get by on that. They can serve God without a vision or a call. You know why it's easier to do that? Because you wouldn't need to be bothered by God's requirements. Because you have not taken time to, to listen or to see what God wants. And so you, you, you just get by on common sense and, and how you feel you should do this or that or where you feel you fit. You just get by on common sense. You get by on, on, on your sensing of situation. And so it's easy for you because we do not need to spend time pressing in, trying to find out, trying to understand, trying to see, asking God, Lord, give me sight, give me illumination, help me understand, give me revelation. We, we, we don't do that. And so um, it, it, it becomes difficult when we need to do that, when we need to press in, because it requires effort. And sometimes you can wait and still not get it. And it takes some time, it takes discipline, it takes perseverance for us to finally receive from the Lord and then, whoa, everything opens up. And so it's tough. And people don't have that stickability to hang in there and to press in and, and, and to wait. And so they just get by on common sense. You know, Oswald Chambers, the, the man who wrote My Atmos for His Highest, he said this, once you hear the full commission of God, the awareness of what God wants becomes your focus and goal from that point on. You will no longer be able to work on the basis of common sense. He says, once you hear the full commission of God over your life, that becomes your one consuming obsession. Nothing else matters. All right? And, and from that point on, you no longer can work on the basis common sense, or your gut feel, you can't. Because you have already heard from God or seen what God wants for you. So, what is spiritual vision? Colossians 1.9 says this. We are asking God, next slide, we are asking God that you may see things as it were from His point of view. Is that the correct one? Okay. 
by being given spiritual insight and understanding. So, so spiritual vision is simply the ability to view everything through God's lenses. Right? Getting, on, getting on your heart what God has on His. And if you know what God has on His heart, He has the world on His heart. And so when, we, when, when that gets on our hearts, what God has on His, then, listen, then it's not enough to come on a Sunday and to sing some songs, enjoy a sermon, enjoy the fellowship and go back and say, that was great, let's wait for next week. It's not enough anymore. When you get on your heart what God has on His, then you would want to do, to, to do anything, whatever it takes, to get on to God's program. Even if it means needing to come more than once a week, needing to open your Bibles on your own and study, needing to spend time praying, needing, needing to spend time coming, needing to tell, come up to the pastors and, and volunteer and say, I want to be involved. I want to serve and not waiting to be asked. Why is vision so important? Because spiritual vision, church, produces spiritual strategies. It's, it gives us direction. This vision you see at the back, this is what should drive High Point Life. That vision. Well, it's a vision that God laid on our hearts. The vision should produce divine strategies. That means we plan so that this becomes a reality. The apostolic church, our vision is based on an apostolic church model. The apostolic church had vision. And they, divine, they, they received that vision. In fact, they received even the strategies from, from the Lord. When the Lord says, you will be my witnesses first here in Jerusalem, then in Judea, Samaria, ends of the world. There was a strategy. There was direction. Well, the world would know. And so they began to devise strategies. Initially, they were comfortable in Jerusalem. They didn't want to leave. The church was growing at a phenomenal pace. The, the Bible says that, that the Lord added to their numbers daily. That's, think about that. That, that is mind-blowing. While we wait for new people weekly, in the New Testament, the Lord was adding to their numbers daily. And they were comfortable. If we are growing, still a lot of work to do. But that wasn't God's plan. His plan was, you, you don't stay in Jerusalem forever. You move into Judea. Move into Jerusalem. Spill over. No. But we've got work to do. This is our home. We're comfortable. The church is still growing. Still got things to do. And so God allowed persecution. Now listen, now God doesn't bring persecution. He allows. He allowed persecution. When persecution came, the Christians began to run. They left Jerusalem. They spilled over into the countryside. They went into hiding. And when they spilled over into Judea and Samaria, they brought with them the gospel. And so, God's program 
was on course. Not because they planned so carefully. Nah. Circumstances forced it. And then they began to learn. This is what God wants. And so they devised strategies. They began to major on building individuals. They gathered in homes. They built up one another. They, they, they were not majoring on building institutions. Too many churches are, are, are spending a lot of time trying to build an institution. We need to spend time building individuals. And the rest will take care of itself. Alright, that's what Jesus did also. They began to focus on explosion, not implosion. Explosion is when force, where, 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 where explosion is when things are forced out. Implosion is when it's forced in. All right? Um, and they were looking at explosion. They were going all over the place. Started missionary journeys and all that. And, and the, the, from the core church, it exploded. And it just went everywhere. And this is what should happen. This is God's vision for High Point also. You may look around and say, but we are not like the Jerusalem church. We are very small. It doesn't matter how big you are. It matters how big your God is. Come on. It matters how big your God is. And God has used this church in an amazing way. And long may He use it. That's the vision. Luke 6, 13. At daybreak, Jesus called together all of His disciples and He chose 12 of them to be Apostles. What's so significant about this? The first thing Jesus did was to choose 12 men who would be what? Come on. Apostles. What are apostles? Apostles. Apostles are. Apostles are. Okay, the word apostle means sent out. People, those who are sent out. That's what it means. The first thing Jesus did was to choose people that he would send out. And so Jesus fully expects every church, every safe person to have a vision and to adopt a strategy to impact our world. It's not just about God has given me the ability to cook well, I will make a good meal for everybody. And so it's all about just here. We love it when you cook. Bless your heart. But it is more than that. How is, how is what God has given you going to be used to impact our world? To impact whoever is out there? How? It may not mean you have to take your Nasilama, Chichong Fan, whatever, this curry puff and go out on the streets. But there are other ways that God can use you. Maybe the way you do it here would encourage people to go out. There's a, how? The question is, you need to seek God to say, what is God's call and vision over your life? And how can that dovetail with the church's vision? Because that's critical. We are one people. We are one church. And God has put you in this church, given you those gifts, because He knows that with those gifts, those abilities, with your heart, you can add value to the vision. 
and make the vision become a reality. To not have a vision is to the detriment of both ourselves and our world. How? How is it detrimental to ourselves, our world? I'll give you an example. Numbers 13, when Moses sent the 12 spies into Canaan, two of them had vision. Ten of them didn't. Ten of them came back and all they could see were giants in the land. And we are grasshoppers. There is no match. We cannot stand up against this, these people. They will crush us. The two came back to say the vision that God gave them, this land is ready for the taking. It's flowing with milk and honey. Look at the grapes we brought back. Wow. And the ten turned around and said, did you see the fortified walls? Did you see the giants? Did you see, did you see how strong they were? Did you see how well equipped they were? Did you see how many people they were? Look at us. We are not equipped. We were never trained militarily. We were slaves. For 400 years, for crying out loud. And 40 years, we were nothing but, but, but sojourners in the wilderness. We lost a whole generation. How can you compare us with them? Did you see these things? And those two only could say, did you see our God? Did you see our God? That's enough. The ten who did not have vision lived a meaningless existence, going around in circles. And then they perished in the wilderness. The two, Joshua and Caleb, had vision, divine, devised divine strategies, and walked into God's promises and abundance. This is how we lose out when we do not have vision. It's to our detriment. We live meaningless lives, purposeless lives, because we are not living where God wants us to live and how God wants us to live, pursuing what God wants us to pursue. And because of that, we, our lack of vision will affect people outside. Because our, the vision that God gives us is meant to impact outside. You see, in church... The vision should be closely and clearly observable in the pulpit, in the pew, and in the public life. Alright? The vision should be seen and should be caught here from the pulpit to the pew to the public life. If it ends just here, we have failed. If it comes there and stops there, we have failed. It should move from here to there to there then the vision starts to get traction. No vision and we rely on human reasoning and precepts. Embrace a vision and we rely on God and divine resources. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. When we start to do things based on our own understanding and based on our own cleverness, it seems right, it seems good, but the Bible says its end is destruction. 
But when we begin to see things as God sees and, and adapt divine strategies, the end brings life, brings purpose, brings blessing. So I just want to touch on three things today. Number one, vision embraces the invisible. Hebrews 11.27 says this, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Vision embraces the invisible. The moment a man loses himself in the wonder of God, he will gain the ability to see things through the eyes of God. And those with such a vision are able to perceive all the possibilities before they even become evident to the others. The people who spend time in God's presence and able to, to, to catch, able to be given sight, they will be able to perceive possibilities even before others are able to see it. And people will come to them and say, yeah, I don't think this will work. Cannot lie. This is too big. No way. How can? Do you know how, who we are? You know, that reminds me of the ten. We keep seeing all the things that can go wrong. We keep seeing all the things why this is impossible. Lack of vision. Trusting Jesus means stop trusting ourselves. Stop trusting our bank account. Stop trusting our numbers. Trusting Jesus means you trust in Him, His resources, His ability. Amen? Come on, church. Yes. That's what it means to trust in God. We stop relying on ourselves and we start relying on God. Those with such a vision can see the possibility. Abraham trusted. He had vision and he was willing to leave his hometown and go to a city that he cannot see yet. Whose author and builder was God. Whose architect and builder was God. Moses left his comfort zone at that point of time, his comfort zone was in the house of his father-in-law, taking care of sheep. He was comfortable doing this for the past 40 years. And then God tells him to go back to Egypt. He struggled a little bit, but he went. He left his comfort zone because he could see that God was going to go before him. And what would seem impossible, for 400 years they were slaves. This time, they're going to come out as free men and women. Not because Moses was big, strong, and had a full armor and artillery, no. Because God will help them. God would see it happen. Elisha left a field, left his family, left his future, and he followed Elijah because he had a vision. I want to be like this man. I want to be his successor. I want to be God's man in a time such as this. Simon and Andrew, they left their nets, they left their boats, they left their fathers and followed Jesus. Vision will give you sight to see possibilities, even when other people think you're crazy and this cannot, cannot happen. 
Adrian Rogers said this, A vision will enable you at any given moment to forsake all that you are in order to become all that you can be. Vision can do that. So that you realize that your big dreams that you have for yourself, for your family, ain't big enough. Not big enough. That God's plan, God's vision for you and your family, far bigger. So vision would enable you to forsake all that you are in order to become all that you can be. Because God has shown you, given you sight, given you revelation. The problem is, so often, we are caught up with the thinking of the crowd. Those who see what everyone else sees will never be motivated to change the world. Because the general people will always feel too big, too difficult, too much to give up. Why can't we be satisfied with less? Normal people think this way. But the man and woman whose eyesight has undergone a transformation and they start seeing things through God's eyes. They think differently. So when we think like everybody else, we will never be motivated to change the world. Number two, vision engages the impossible. Paul was tasked to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And this is a task that of, of insurmountable odds because Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, of the tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was perfectly suited to bring the gospel to the Jewish people because he knew the law. He kept the law. He was a Pharisee. He was a teacher of the law. He learned under Gamaliel. He had pedigree, Jewish pedigree. And then God tells him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Anybody would have complained, Lord, have you seen my credentials? Don't you think I make, I'm perfectly suited to bring the gospel to the Jews? Why didn't you send Peter? This guy was a fisherman. He doesn't know very much. He's quite crude in his ways. He's not like me. I'm a man of pedigree. But this is what Paul says. Acts 26, 19, he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And so despite the fact that he was coming out of his comfort zone, despite the fact that this was not what he was comfortable doing, despite the fact that he felt he was not the best person to do this, he, he, he went anyway. And you know what happened next. The gospel reached the furthest ends of the Roman Empire. It went into Greece. It went everywhere. When God calls us, when God gives us a vision, it's always God-sized. Anything less than God-sized doesn't come from God. It comes from our own common sense. Our thinking. We would plan something according to our own ability. 
This one we can do. This one we can we can do it. We have the people. We have the money. We have the resources. When we're going to keep doing things that we can do, we don't need God. We don't need God. We only need God when we start to attempt things that are far bigger than we are capable of doing ourselves. Then we need God. So God's projects for us are always God-sized. And if God calls us, He will supply us. Amen? Question. What would you dare do if you knew you could not fail? Got that theoretical, huh? What would you dare to do if you knew there's no way you can fail? If God calls us to do something that frightens us, that's an honor. You know why? Because God trusts us enough. And He's telling us, trust me, I'll do it, but I want to use you. Don't go into eternity with possibilities that did not materialize into reality. Is that a confusing statement? Don't go into eternity with possibilities that did not materialize into realities. This is something that has been on my heart for the longest time. I do not want to one day die and go to heaven and the Lord said, I gave you so much. What happened? I want to be able at the end of my life to say like Jesus did in John 17, 4, I have brought you glory here on earth by completing everything you've asked me to do. That's what I would like to do. That's how I would like to die. You know, the Christian life is not just about living well. It's about dying well as well. All right? To die well. That people look and say, that's the way I want to die. That's the way I want to go. Every possibility became realities. So God invites us to take on the humanly impossible so that we can see the miraculous. If we don't take on what is humanly impossible, where will the miracles happen? Where would the miracles come? When we take on what is humanly impossible, we are setting ourselves up to see the miraculous. And that, I believe, is what the church should be experiencing on a regular basis. Seeing the miraculous. Finally, vision expects the incredible. Vision expects the incredible. Next slide. So until we have faith in the future... We will lack motivation in the present. The reason why we are not motivated is because we don't have the faith to trust God for the future. When we have the faith to trust God for the future, we would be motivated to see things happen. Example, the centurion was confident that just a word from Jesus would heal his servant, would heal. Right? He was confident. Just the word from Jesus was enough. 
The woman with an issue of blood was confident that just a touch of the hem of the garment was enough. High point is confident that stepping out in faith despite, despite our resources, but stepping out in faith and trusting God because of His call over us is enough. We have faith. We have faith that obedience is enough. That when we step out, even though we cannot see, then we start to see. And you've know, already seen so much. I'm not saying this so that you might feel, oh, I have to give more. I'm saying this to stir your excitement that God is using ordinary people to do extraordinary things because of a vision that He has given us. Okay. Take homes. Number one, a God-given vision requires my obedience here because it will affect a whole lot of people for eternity. When I am obedient here of a vision that God has given me, I need to be obedient to it. And God gives me a, a vision because what the vision that God gives me here will affect people's eternity. If God calls me here to be a witness and I don't and I'm not obedient to that calling, it would deprive somebody from knowing the gospel. If God has called us to be involved in missions and we don't go because of our disobedience, it would affect the eternity of not just a couple of individuals. It could affect the eternity of an entire village. If God gives us a vision to be a light in your workplace or in your university and you don't because you're ashamed, you're embarrassed, your disobedience would cause eternity to somebody else. You know, Ray, Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, this generation of Christians are responsible for this generation of sinners. If High Point isn't touching the community, we are failing. We are responsible for the people that God put in our lives. Number two, the pursuit of a God-given vision is critical for both the church and the community. For High Point to step into her destiny, for High Point to step into her calling, you need to pursue God's vision together with God's people. We have to do this together. Church, this is not about the pastors. This is not about Pastor Padi. This is not about, about Pastor Daniel. This is not about Pastor Stephen or Pastor Swan. This is not about us. This is about us as a High Point family. And the pursuit of a God-given vision is critical for the church and for the community. Number three, we should be so focused on our vision that it should start to dominate our conversations. Vision should dominate our conversations. It's one thing to talk about football after church. 
It's one thing to talk about fun stuff, and I'm not against that. I do that also. But I want us to start doing this for 2024. When you have opportunities to come together, even in your cell groups or in your youth meetings or in, in, in your coming together as friends, sitting around a, a makan table in a coffee shop and having meals together as church friends or whatever it is, take some time to let the vision dominate conversations. Talk about how you want God to use you in your home, in your community, in your schools, in your office. Talk about how you, 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 you wish God would use you in the church. Let the vision dominate your conversations. Because the more you talk about it, the more people around you would be stirred. Wow, I can see. This person is so passionate. I, I, I want to catch. And it, it, it's taught. It is caught more than taught. So I can preach my lungs out here, but the real impact is done there. Not from the pulpit, from the pew. So that it's carried out into the public. Are you getting what I'm saying, church? Come on. Yeah. So let the vision dominate your conversations. Number four. Let the vision dictate your companions. Let the vision dictate your companions. Find people who are like-minded. Find people who share the same passions. There are some people who are just sad sacks. They just sit on their pity pots whole day, grumble, 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 and whine. There are some people who are just complete spoil sports. All they'll tell you, cannot la, cannot be done la, don't waste time la, what for la. Those people are not going to help you carry the vision. Okay? Those people are not going to help you carry the vision. Surround yourself with like-minded people so that you can draw from each other. Because that is fuel that other people feel the same. I'm not alone. You know, the worst thing that can, the, the, the worst feeling is the feeling that you're all alone in this. You know that? That's what happened to Elijah. One moment he was calling fire from heaven, next moment, Lord, I want to die. Everybody has run away. Only I'm faithful. I'm the only one. Shut up. It's not there in the Bible, but I'm just taking liberty. The Lord says, shut up. There are plenty of other people, but okay, no need to talk about that. You know what you need? Eat and sleep. That's all you need because you're tired. Yeah, yeah. And so God made him eat and forced him to sleep. Then after finally got up and lost to eat some more, sleep some more. After that, he was ready. But the worst feeling is the feeling that I'm all alone in this. We are not. Find people who are like-minded. All right? Feed the vision. Final one. Vision should decide our choices. So it should dominate our conversation, dictate our companions, and it should decide our choices. I choose. I choose to reject this promotion because it would take away my time. 
and I won't be able to do this ministry anymore. I choose this over that because this would help me run after the vision God has given me and the church. I would choose. The vision should decide our choices. Sometimes it may feel like a sacrifice. Let me tell you, nothing done for God is a sacrifice. Because you are running after Him. You are running after His heart. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You run after God with all your heart, there will be a reward for you. God will not let you down. So don't think you're losing out. The vision should decide your choices. And you know what? God, at the end of the day, will reward. 